Welcome back to the Bigger Than Hunters podcast, your host Hunter Didel. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is going to be talking about the our Sandhills trip. Jeremy and I kind of talking back and forth and the doctor uh, with uh, the baby coming gave me the okay. So we jumped in, we headed out to the Sandhills, had a fantastic time, had a lot of laughs, saw a lot of unique um, species, uh, had a great time, had a lot of ducks dropping in the decoys. It just, it was a a trip, a trip to remember, a trip to uh, refresh what it meant to have fellowship with the guys and really get out there and duck hunt and see ducks just just do it right. So awesome experience, loved it, really look forward to the future, and I really look forward to telling you guys the fun stories. Uh, man, let's just say the tent camping was pretty rough, but uh, you gotta you got to listen to the episode to get into that. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Dirty Devil Detailing. Awesome detailing service out of Omaha, Nebraska. They can pretty much do it anything you think of. But for me personally, my truck was completely like ingrained with sand. The dog was in it. Obviously, the dog shakes. It ends up making it smell bad on the way back. I didn't find it out till the next morning because I just parked my truck. Apparently, now I'll decide to throw up in my pickup. So, I mean, it's pretty, pretty rough. Pretty rough looking truck. Uh, perfect place to take them. Head out, take it, curtain Diane, refreshed, smells great. It's good. It's ready for the baby. Let's just say that. Ready for the baby, nice and clean. So go ahead and hit them up on uh, Dirty Detailing, DirtyDevilDetailing.com. Also, you can find them on Instagram and Facebook. Message them, get a price, go to them because you, you, won't, you won't regret it because they do a fantastic job. So the detail or the, the devil's in the details. Let's just say that. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. Welcome back to the Bigger Than Hunters podcast. Your host, Hunter Dietl, and my co-host, Jeremy. How are we doing, Jeremy? Pretty good. So we were basically talking about what we're going to talk about on the podcast, and then we just like... Yeah. Whatever. We always do that. I, I, I swear we always do that. We just, like, I feel like if we just had mics in front of us and people would listen, like we'd just talk podcast ideas and then yeah. just have like extra like streamlined podcasts. <laughs> but like uh, we're going to be talking about two things tonight. We're talking to be a Husker football. We're the you know bigger hunters, so I love the big, big red. So if you don't like football, sorry, <sighs> not sorry at all. You're gonna have to stick it out. And then two, we're gonna be talking about uh, opening day duck season. We went out to the Sand Hills. Phenomenal. So, all right, Husker football. As you guys have known uh, far along, we haven't talked about it. Scott Frost got fired. I'm very happy about it. I thought he should have got fired last year. I didn't like him as a hire to begin with. I thought he had, uh, he was inexperienced. I felt like um, he got hot. I felt like he already had the pieces that he needed, managed to rally those kids and get them into a good season. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think, I think there's a lot of things that have happened in his personal life that really got him 
to the point where he didn't care. I think the first year or two we got here, I felt like he really like wanted to get the program off the ground, and then he just hit so many roadblocks that he just was kind of like in this effort mode. Yeah, no, I agree. I see. I'm on the, a little bit of a different side of it. I liked the hire. Um, oh, Dakota. Dakota. She's chewing on stuff. That's not your. Oh, Don't Dakota, getting in trouble. That's nah, okay. Anyways, I liked personally. I liked the hire. You know, bringing back Scott Frost, and then on top of that, his you know, his resume at UCF was really good. Don't get me wrong. I see my my eyes. I said from the beginning, I thought it would. I thought it was going to be better for us to try to hire Mario Cristobal, which now is in Miami, and then I said Lane Kiffin at the time. Those uh, are those are my two choices. I would I would have boycotted if Lane Kiffin gotten hired. I hate Lane. I, I'm not I, saying he's not kind of a douche, but he's doing pretty well at Ole Miss, five and zero. Okay, yeah, but Ole Miss is in the SEC. Like, like anybody in the SEC is doing well at this point. I mean, even Tennessee and Kentucky are back. I don't know. I th- I think that the reason why they're like that now is because of the way NIL is set up and the way the conferences are going. It's basically creating two, like the AFC and NFC divisions. But I'm talking like we're talking five or six years ago that hadn't existed yet. And I, you know, the three or four teams in each conference tends to suck up, suck up a majority of the kids that are really good. And yeah, at the no. time, I think he did a great job on managing to build that team. Which, my pick for coach right now is in the SEC, and uh, we'll get to that. But Scott Frost should have got fired a long time ago. I There's I, a lot of crap that had... There's I, a lot of rumors that were flying out pre Well, the, there's rumors, and then there's straight-up facts about those some of those rumors. Yeah. Hey. Lay down. (laughs) Lay down. Uh, The joys of having a puppy dog. Lay down. Especially a lab puppy. Everybody's got like uh, their own lab puppy story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. He his personal life got too involved. Actually, I'm surprised. With some of the things, even with his name, I'm surprised it didn't fire him when some of those things surfaced. Yeah. Which, I mean, we're looking at almost two years ago now. But, you know, everybody, it, it's Scott Frost. Everybody was like, let's try and make it work. Um, my biggest thing is, I, you know, I listen to a lot of sports podcasts because I love sports. I love competition. Are you chewing on that again? Bring it here. Goodness gracious. Um, I swear, dude, I had to tell her probably a thousand times quit eating cow shit this weekend. Ridiculous. <laughs> she would not listen. <laughs> there was one patch in camp. I know I'm getting off topic, but there was one patch in camp that I probably told her to quit t- trying to eat at least a hundred times, and it was just that one patch. There was one time we were out at Shay's uh, grandparents, and they they lease it out to have cows in the winter time and or during the summer. And dude, there's one time Zeus just came back 
you just had a face full of it. Just, <laughs> you know, he's got the beard and everything. Uh-huh. His whole beard is just like full of it. And I told, I looked at Shay and I'm like, I'm not, don't even think about it. I'm not touching that dog. <laughs> he can stay here. Can, he can stay I'm here. I'm being serious. Like, he can stay here. <laughs> I could care less. Uh, he, he can eat cow shit for the rest of his life. Good. There you go. She didn't like that idea. I'm sure. But, anyways, personal life. Uh, I'm surprised that he didn't get fired after everything in his personal life came up. Um, but I do. Oh, I remember what I was saying because I, I listen to so many sports podcasts. Uh, I heard something just the other day. Um, it was related to the NFL, but a lot of coaches their their job security is based off of their first three games. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> and how well those first three games go. You know, generally coaches that go, you know, start 3-0, and 2-1, they're going to have a pretty good career wherever they're at. Yeah. You know, bring in a new system, you get the kids behind you, you get the program behind you, you get the administration behind you, you get recruiting behind you when you look that good immediately. And... I am on this fence a little bit, though I agree Scott Frost needed to be fired. I'm completely okay with the firing. I will say I do wish they had just waited until like mid mid October and saved the eight million or whatever it was. But he's gone. I they should have just done it last year. They didn't. It was a mistake. Yeah. Um could argue that really the problems we had early this season were defense related, but I think, I mean, it's still a head coach, but anyways, I truly believe that Scott Frost's career was hindered and tainted, uh, by Adrian Martinez, which crazily is lighting it up at Kansas state right now. Um, and they beat up on Oklahoma two weeks ago and it just, bewilders me that now he's decided oh I'm good at football again but part of it I do believe is potentially having a system that 100% believes in him but you know Adrian Martinez came in and he was supposed to be this highly recruited you know quarterback that lots of people wanted and came out of California I'm pretty sure um, but we're li- I can remember Scott Frost you know the very first game of Scott Frost's career I went to, it was that rain delay game that never got off the ground. Um, me and my buddy sat there till like 11 o'clock before they finally canceled the game or how, I don't remember how long it was. The game never got off the ground. It was against a nobody team. Those games are pretty important, both for you know uh, the school, the kids, the coaching staff, and a new system. That didn't happen, so we went to Colorado we were winning through three quarters and then Adrian Martinez got popped in the knee pretty good and then played without confidence for the rest of the game because he was kind of iffy. Yep. And well, yeah, he had surgery before he came to Nebraska because he didn't yeah. have a senior year because of it. Yeah. But, and that whole situation, that, that game we ended up losing because he didn't play confidently. He ended up throwing an interception late, I believe, um, which was would become a very common thing for him, either throwing an interception or fumbling the ball very late and 
you know, us losing a game. Um, and that that's pretty much how the first half of that season went. We started, what, 0-6 that year or something, the first year. And a lot of it was injury issues with... Chase here. Oh, okay. A lot of it was with in, uh, injury-related issues uh, for Adrian and, you know... The team, basically, they started very quickly, 0-3, having a game delayed, yada, yada. Um, just lost confidence, and they never would re- regroup from it. Yeah. And that just never stopped. I mean, and, like, I'm not... I don't want to say that Adrian, Adrian Martinez was, like, a bad player. He, he showed moments, but his inability to come up in the clutch moments yeah. uh, was... Uh, ridiculous honestly in my opinion I, just, I don't know man I, I I I don't get me wrong I agree it comes down to coaching I just like but I just you know I said this uh, after the Northwestern game I actually made a, a Facebook post because I was just irritated I normally don't do that kind of stuff but I was honestly just kind of torqued about the year and how I felt like Scott Frost should have got fired last year but uh, gosh let me you know, the problem with that is, is if he doesn't do that, he's still our coach, because we'd be sitting at yeah three and two right now. And so I said, okay, so I said, uh, lack of execution due to lack of preparation is a hallmark of a coach that doesn't hold his players accountable. This team has the talent; it's missing one key factor, a head coach. And I firmly even believe that now, and I think Mickey Joseph is uh, a key factor in getting things turned around. But it like. <clears throat> my biggest thing about Adrian Martinez is just I always felt like he just wasn't well prepared mentally because he'd get in a spot where things would go sideways and he'd just lose it and he'd yeah. throw some stupid ball and like you know you can you can blame that on the player but I'm not disagreeing I, I don't you know it's a it's a given and take on both sides No I 100% agree um I just think Adrian's mentality, and he had lots of injury issues those first two years in particular. Um, Last year, he played the whole season, but at the same time, last year, I think, was his work, like, his hardest year with the... I think we lost, if I remember right, we lost, like, four games because he would throw an interception or fumble the ball. I mean... Us okay, so I came back from a, I came back from a wedding Michigan game last year, and I was just oh, like, dude. dude, I was so the fired Mich- up. the Michigan and Michigan State games last yeah. year both broke my heart. I was so fired up, like I was excited, and I'm like, yeah, let's go. And then I just, I knew, I you know, like that that's the biggest hallmark of Nebraska football, like in the Scott Frost era, is like you knew, you felt it in your heart, you knew what was going to happen before it even happened. Uh-huh. Like the Northwestern game, the moment you saw that onside kick go sideways, you already knew. Well, and that's that's why I can't understand that game and the onside kick. And that one is it comes down to coaching. He didn't. It's not that he wasn't holding his kids accountable on that one. It's it's the coaching on that because what he did was he flipped the momentum, and they put they might as well have been playing from behind from that yeah. moment on. Anytime you flip momentum like that in a point where you have it all and you don't need to flip it, I mean, we're up by 11, going into the fourth quarter, 
does an onside kick thinking, oh, let's put the game away because our offense is doing well. Okay, yeah, but your defense was also doing well. Yeah. Get the defense back on the field. Get that offense back off the field. Get your offense back on the field. Like, yeah. don't do something stupid that puts them in a great position. And five five plays later, later they're in the end zone, and now you're only up by well, four. One of my biggest, one of my big, almost one of my biggest harps about the the Frost era has been the fact that I always felt like going into second half, they had a game plan, and then they would make no changes. Like their game plan was the same I, from the beginning to the end, and you'd see like against these teams like Michigan or Michigan State or you know teams with good coaches. Um, they would make second half adjustment uh, adjustments. We wouldn't, and that's why we'd get beat. Half I time. I agree. I do. He was is almost lazy coaching at times. Like just stick to the plan. Don't make any fixes. Don't change anything. Yep. I completely agree with that. I mean, yeah. He should have been fired. No, he I been fired a long time ago. Yeah, you're not hearing any disagreements from me. I mean. Would I would the story have been nice for him to figure it out? Obviously, I mean yeah, that's the only reason he even got into this year. Oh yeah, it is absolutely. I just I remember, I remember having <laughs> talk about Matt. <laughs> him Matt would post stuff about him like he should get fired, and he, you know I'd agree with him. And then I just remember the one there was this old, uh, older gal that would comment on the post like no like. The Frost, the Frost family is just all about football, and every generation has been into it. And like, you know, he'll get it figured out, blah blah blah. And like, he work, he works harder than anybody else on that, you know, in that program. Like, well, you heard the rumors now, old lady. <laughs> right. Um. Even back then, I was like, oh no, like that's this is ridiculous because it, if you look at other programs and these coaches that entered in at the same time. Scott Frosted, Lane Kiffin, Mario Cristobal. Like, if you look at these guys that took over their programs at the same time, they're way, way, like, light years ahead of where we were in terms of turning their programs around. Yeah, my, like, the last five my, years have just been pooped down the drain. Miami's struggling a little bit now. Well, Mario uh, Cristobal at the time was in Oregon. They did really well. Yeah. And I think he did. I mean, I in my opinion, I think it's dumb to leave Oregon for him. But I also understand the poll because that's his alma mater. That's where he played at. Yeah. He was a linebacker there. So I, I get why the move for him. I do think Miami will come back, and I think they'll come back strong. I think they'll be a good team. They've got a lot of young I just My young biggest thing about them is where does the ACC really even fit in anymore? They're going to have to combine with the Big 12 to make something happen, for them at least. But I'm well, curious on how that unfolds. But heck, well, maybe they can join the Sun Belt. Because the Sunbelt teams are just as good as everybody else at this point. Georgia Southern, <laughs> Appalachian uh, State. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talking about Appalachian State, like, they've been on a yeah. high rate this year. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, oh, no, we got, or don't you put Appalachian State on this record, or on this, <laughs> <laughs> on our <laughs> schedule? Don't you do it. Yeah. Don't you do it. <laughs> but uh, back to what we were saying. Okay, so. I always felt like, yeah, we're way behind. Now, I will I will say this. Moving forward, okay, we're done with the frost air. Moving forward, there is something that came up in an article that I really wholeheartedly agree with. Now, granted, all the mainstream media in Nebraska is really 
shifted now from like, oh, poor us, we suck, to now like, oh, these are all the good things that are happening because they're trying to like, I think there's some some boosters in some regions that are telling these like media, hey, we're going to lose our sellout. You need to stop. Like we need to turn this around. So I think there's some pressure there. But <clears throat> like I, I was listening, I was looking at a sports article and they're saying like, you know, the next, the next coach really has a, like he's walking into a very good setup. We have a decent amount of very talented players. We have a decent recruiting class depending on, how like how many people end up do leaving um, or transferring out? We do have a talent pool that's there. Two, we're building a massive training facility that's like hundreds of millions. Of, I think it's one hundred and sixty-five million dollars. Like state-of-the-art training facility. We're upload or we're updating the North Stadium. Like there's a lot of things that are there that can really like make a massive change. And I think the NIL also helps Nebraska in their favor because there's a lot of people that pour money into that program. There's a lot of people that pour money into that program. And there's something else that I don't think... I think we've talked about this a little bit, and I think you kind of see it different, or you disagree with me a little bit. But I think, is it 2024 that USC and UCLA come in? Yeah. That California market, recruiting is going to become a little easier. We're gonna pull people. We'll pull more kids from California because of that, solely because, and it makes sense. You know, when we lost most of our Texas recruiting, Dakota, uh, uh-uh, get down, come here. Uh, I think that I I Stop agree. It. When we when we left the Big Twelve, we lost a lot. We lost of the Texas, Texas and Oklahoma. Oklahoma markets. Do I do I see it? Yes. Um. To an extent, I my my problem is is when we were with the Mike Riley era, I felt like we had a lot of issues with the California kids, especially with like drugs. Like weed was a big problem with them. That's, yeah, that's super stereotypical, but it was true. Like, well, Mike, my problem with Mike Riley is Mike Riley just looked at the talent, not the character. Yeah, we need a coach, and I I do think people undervalue this these days, and just. A lot, a lot of your average coaches just look at the talent. Yeah. Um, but character is still so important as to what you're going to get out of who you bring in. Yeah. Like not having issues because, yeah, Mike Riley, I mean, he had Randy G- Gregory tail end of that. Yeah. Um, that, what, Nate Washington? What was Washington? I don't know. Yeah. Members for you know who I'm talking about. The running back. Yeah. And that was that one was an entire shit show in itself. Like yeah. that one was crazy. There was a lot of problems going on there. Um and I just I just hope that we land, whether it becomes Joseph or someone else. Well, that's what, that's what I was telling people, like you know, there's a lot of people that were back and forth, and as soon as Scott Frost news came out and all the urban crap was coming out, like, people were debating with me about it, and I was like, you know, like, I, I get where you're coming from. I was like, depends on the way you look at it. You want to just win? Urban's your guy. He will turn this program around. I said, you got to think. Put a guy in there that's behind him that you want actually to be the coach in a couple of years after Urban turns the program around. Because here's the thing. The Urban name, it 
will revitalize your recruiting, which then ends up revitalizing your team. And he's also like, he's a strategist. Like he is wicked. So, are but you- I'm saying that in two years, Urban will do something stupid like touch a cheerleader. Oh, Scott Frost. Um, and uh, we'll end up getting fired for it. And then whoever your good coach is, you want in there, is behind him. Now, here's the uh, second part of this. I get where you come from in terms of morality and coaching, but when you're talking about a big program like that, your head coach really does not have a lot of personal touch with most of your players. Some of your key guys, your leaders, but for the most part, it's your it's your position coaches that have most yeah of no touch, you're right our personal touch with most of your players so like i i agree with the morality i do but to an extent i think that morality has been overcharged with nebraska and i get the nebraska conservative values but here's the here's the other part to has looked at it T, tom osborne was looked like he was he was a god or he still is in this in this state Mm-hmm. There's some shady sh- stuff that went down. Like, there is some serious yeah. shady stuff that went down with Tom Osborne. And, like, people think that he's so moral. Like, eh, like he was will- he was willing to win at all costs kind of yeah. guy. Now, from the outside perspective, people, like, looking in, yeah, it looks like a super moral program. But, like, what? I mean, here's the thing. Do you, if you want to help somebody out in their life, you can teach them good values, and that's great. But what's I mean, why don't what what's the value in sending a kid to the NFL? That's millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, change somebody's life. That not only changed their life, that can change generations of lives. Yeah. So at that point, like, yeah, morality's great and all, but like Urban would change the face of the program. He would bring in recruits and he would change he would change people's lives. I mean, he's not a great guy, but there could be a lot of good could come out of it. Now, on the other side of the debate, I also understand the, the morality of the program. In my opinion, I think the best best choice would be Mark Stoops. I mean, he's basically taken Kentucky from a no-name program that was a two-win team that had no money, no funding, no support, to now we're a 10-win team, or nine or 10 wins last year, and they just lost a... I think they're 4-1 and one now. They lost to Ole Miss, but... They were top, I think they're six or seven. I don't think you pull him from Kentucky. I don't either, but I just think he's the best choice. And I'm going to give you my opinion on Urban Urban as well. I actually don't think the recruiting class would come with Urban. His time in Jacksonville in the NFL, nah. Nah, it, it, he's not spoken of well, in my opinion. I don't, I don't think many, I don't think many kids are going to look at him and go, yeah, you're not just a meme on the internet at this point. I don't know. Like, you got to think, like, he's won two national championships. He turned around. So when he came into Ohio State, Ohio Ooh. State was a mess. Didn't he win with the, one with Ohio State? Yeah. He's won three. He won two with Florida. Did he, he did win. So, so he is a three. Yeah. So he's got three national championships. When he can, if when he went into Ohio State, it was a disaster because they had just gotten hit by the Sandusky yeah. stuff mm-hmm. and all that crap. So, like, he managed to turn around an Ohio State program to where it is today, honestly. It's a powerhouse. And, like, I think between the facilities, the education, I think everything would just be there for them to turn that, for him to turn around. Like I said, I think Mark Soups is the best choice. 
do I think we're going to get him? No, but like, I don't know. I just, from the names that are tossed around, I'm not a huge fan of, I like Matt Campbell, but I just, he's not really proven himself. He's done decent at Ohio or Iowa state, but he's not like what we need. We need a powerhouse coach that we're going to pay. Like we're paying Scott Frost 15, what? 15 million. Yeah. Like F it, go, go pay some big name, $10 million. Like if you were, if our boosters are willing to, you know, the boosters, the reason why we, we fired Scott Frost when we did, they said, we'll pay the 7 million. Yeah. So if they're willing to pay the 7 million, they're willing to pay 10 million a year. Go find somebody big. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I have my, I just have my worries about Urban Meyer. I think I don't disagree with you. I I think, I think his name is at this point a little too far gone. The way he left Ohio State, said he was never going to coach again, then ended up in the NFL, and then his NFL experience was an absolute mess. That's kind of a whole weird thing. And of course, now that team, now that he's gone, Jacksonville looks good. Like, yeah. They don't look great, but they look good. I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of call or college coaches that just don't do very well, and there's a lot of college players that don't do that well in the NFL. I think it's just vice versa, honestly. But at the same time, I, I, I do wonder. I don't know. I, I mean, you can say what you want, but when Larry, when Larry the Cable Guy, the biggest benefactor of you or Nebraska football goes on Fox Sports and says, Urban Meyer, you have a blank check at Nebraska. That kind of speaks to what people think. <laughs> I don't, well, sorry. I don't, I don't disagree. And I, it's not that I can't see it. It's not that I can't see it happening because I, I, I would not be surprised if they try and go after him. Yeah. But, and it's not that I don't believe he can't be a good coach again. It's that I'm just fearful that year in the NFL just made him look really bad. And then, of course, you know, the 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 evidence that came up of him, you know, being an idiot and I don't know. Yeah, I get you. Messing with a woman that was like half his age or something like that. Weird that they talk about Lance Leopold so hard from Kansas when he's been pretty clear that he doesn't want to go anywhere. Yeah. But did you see that Paul Chris from Wisconsin got fired? Yeah. That was incredible. Dude, he's a great coach. He is. Wisconsin's been spiraling on their recruiting. They haven't been able to pick up a good quarterback for like, well, since Russell Wilson. I mean, they really just haven't. Um, I mean, there's been several years where they did the whole, we've got two quarterbacks, but we don't know, we don't know which one we want to play. They should just adopt the Michigan quarterback. They got sideline. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, well, how, how far are we already? 24 minutes, 28 minutes. Yeah. All right. Let's get off top. Let's get off the ball. Um, let's get on to hunting. So, all right, guys. So, transitioning to opening day for Big Duck. So, big thing for me was Shay's getting to the point. She's, a, uh, what, four or five weeks out now. But we went to a doctor's appointment, uh, ultrasound, and said, hey, is he okay to make this trip? Because this has been like a trip that Jeremy and I have talked about for a long time. We talked about going to the Sand Hills, Western Nebraska. And the reason for it is because Matt, our buddy, 
has he lives out there, hunts out there, has success out that way. And um, I think there's a few things. One, Western Nebraska tends to be a little bit less pressure. Two, um, there's a lot of public land out there. And then three, like the beauty of the Sandhills. It's very odd. It's almost like desert with a lot of vegetation. But, like, it's just very odd. But it's just gorgeous. And it's hard to describe it until you experience it. And I would say even for me, I've been out in western Nebraska, but the the next level of being able to hunt waterfowl on the Sandhill Lakes, like, it's just, it's next level. Next level. But went to the doctors. I got the okay from the doctor. She shouldn't be able to have... Or she's not going to have the baby. Go ahead and have fun. Yeah. So I got to go ahead. Let's go. A couple weeks plan. So we're between two places, and you had the conversation with Jared about going, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Let's go. And we're like, still hadn't even decided where we were going until like the week of. Like two days before. Two days before. Like, we were like I actually felt bad. I hadn't told Jared. You and me had decided where we were going, yeah. but I hadn't told Jared Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh, no. Okay, so this is how it was going to go. I was going to get up there. I was going to scout for us. Jeremy was going to get up the later because he had work stuff, and then Jared would make it. Well, <laughs> like a day or two before, I was like, I got this meeting. I'll try to get out and try to get out there. Well, it ended up turning around to where you could get out early. Yeah, and I then, ended up getting enough work done that I could leave Friday and then, morning. like, the day before, I had somebody that wanted to meet and look at a job together, and so I ended up getting out way early, or way later than I uh-huh. had hoped. You showed up at like nine thirty, yeah, and that was local time. Yeah, so <laughs> I got out late, way yeah. later than I hoped. And so, Jared got there after you. I I figured, yeah. which of course, it's funny when I came back into service and saw your guys' conversation. I was like, oh wow. <laughs> Yeah. I missed a lot. <laughs> so, let's talk about your scouting. We'll go from there. Uh, so, I got up there. I didn't know it. Honestly, I mean, I, I did a lot of e-scouting. Didn't know what to expect. I knew one thing for certain, because as, as Hunter already said, I've been talking to Matt, which I can't say enough and thank him enough for all the help he gave me. Because um, I had, I mean, this is something we wanted to do, obviously, but I had no idea what to expect. Um, I, the big thing is I knew we had had to work for it. Yeah. Like I knew there was a possibility of some of these spots we'd had to walk in a ways, um, which is, is like, I'm all about working for it. So I was about that. Yep. So I get there, had no idea what to expect, pull up to where we ended up camping and that lake didn't have anything on it. And except for like a thousand gulls, which I was like, okay. White teal. Yeah, white, right? White <laughs> teal. <laughs> Loud teal. <laughs> um, and I was like, I was a little concerned when I saw that. And then I just started going and looking at some of the lakes. Um, and it seemed like every mile that I drove, I found more and more ducks. Like literally the entire weekend too. Yeah. Like that's just the way it was. The more I drove... Um, I just continued to see birds everywhere. I mean, I had one spot that I really, really wanted to hunt, but Hunter didn't bring the blinds, so yeah, we didn't get to do that, but that's okay. We ended up, um, 
You know, the interest. She got a treat. Oh, okay. I was like, what's she eating now? <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her to just like pull drywall off the wall somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> or insulation. Or insulation, yeah. Um, the thing that... <laughs> the hardest part about the scouting was the damn roads out there. Yeah. Like, the roads out there are brutal, um, which is fair. They're very minimum maintenance, if maintenance at all. Actually, I think the only maintenance they do is they mow them. Um, but... If you have some bad ball joints or maybe some U joints, I would I would recommend probably not going out there because yeah. you're gonna have problems. <laughs> and if you don't have four wheel drive, I mean, there's literally signs everywhere that says four wheel drive required. Yeah, like it's not like which I don't know what they would a- actually do if they saw you didn't have a four wheel drive vehicle, but I don't. Hey. I've yeah. never seen signs like that before, but it, yeah. I I would say it's a necessity. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were a few times where some friendly banter back and forth <laughs> was had because vehicles were not quite getting where they needed to get to. Uh, yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, found a ton of coots, bunch of blue wings. Um, ended up finally finding a pocket that had just a smorgasbord of puddler ducks in it. Um, that. You know, I had, like, three options that I was like, we should do this. Nice thing was I wasn't seeing a bunch of people out there when I was scouting, which uh, excited me, especially especially since, like, Matt had told me that it usually can get a little crazy out there for opener. Um, And it it really wasn't that bad. No, not at all. But... So let's talk about, I, I get out, I, I don't know, I think it's like three thirty four o'clock, and I'm like, okay, like, let's get going, I'm all packed up, head out, and uh, heading heading out. So Jeremy and I talked, he was like, okay, I'll, I'll send you a little bit more of a pin when I get close, but <laughs> Matt's told me, actually I want to backtrack a little bit too, but Matt told me that there is like no service when you get out there. So the day before we left, I've got a... a Seventh, eighth month old pregnant wife, or seventh, eighth month pregnant preg- wife. Pregnant wife. <laughs> and you tell your wife, you're telling your wife that <laughs> you will have no service when you get out there. I, when, and, when Matt told me that, I texted him and Jared, and I was like, just so you guys know, there's like no service. <laughs> and Jared, it's funny because Jared said back, he's like, oh, my, my wife would probably prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, you, I think, what'd you say? Oh, God, my wife's going to love that or yeah. something like that. <laughs> well, so, so th- there's some back, there's more to this. That'd be good. But uh, she like got after me. She's like, I bet you knew about this. And I'm like, no, I did not. She's like, oh, you know, I think you're just BSing me. And like, I showed her your text. I'm like, I didn't know about this till 3:52 <laughs> today, and it was Thursday. I was like, I did not know about this today. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm like, I'm out that way that we'll be able to have service. And like, I was like, okay, you know, we get back into town, I'll shoot you a call or text or whatnot. But, um, so I leave, and. I, oh my gosh, I got something in my contact. Yeah. Well, I had lost my glasses the week before that. And I could, I still cannot find them. I have no idea where they went. 
I have had that same pair of glasses since I was a senior in high school. Oh, damn. I've had them for 10 years, and I can't find them. Like, how how have I lost a pair of glasses? Man, I can't get glasses to last that long. <sighs> so, I I mean, it's just one of those things where I wear, con- I wear contacts majority of the time, and then I pop in my glasses for a few days here and there. Well, I can't find them. So, I'm on the way. My, my eyes freaking out, just, like, hurting. So, I throw my contact out. I always bring extras on trips like this. So I stop at Walmart, grab some eye drops, and at this point I'm just irritated about the, you know, like the whole trip, getting out of work late, getting out, you know, and get going, and I'm like, <clears throat> some of it was is that like, it's just like the stress of getting out there, I guess I would say, like, dude, this trip just seems like nothing seems to be going right already. And uh, I'm in Walmart, and I'm walking around, and like I said before, I'm from North Platte, so like, I don't. I don't want to, I'm just going to be honest, I don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> that I know. <laughs> I hate to say that, that's mean, but like, yeah. I did not want to talk to anybody. And I'm, like, walking out, there's this guy, like, kind of weirdly following me, and his truck just pulls up, parks in the middle, and, like, starts rolling down the window. Like, uh, who is it? Like, who am I going to talk to? And it's Jared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't even recognize his truck, like, nothing. I'm like... Oh, hey, like, what's going on? He's like, the first question he asked, he's like, so do you know where we're going? <laughs> like, he knew in the sand hills, but, like, he had no idea where in the sand hills. Like, just not, okay. Does anybody have a friend that's just willing to just go on a limb and just, like, go to the sand hills and, like. Jared is totally that dude. Not, it's like, crazy. Not playing, nothing, just, like, yeah, do you know, like, where we're going? He and he had no idea we we're camping in a tent. <laughs> like he just brought a sleeping bag oh, and like no. I felt bad. I apologized later. I was like, I really didn't tell you any details. Like, I just said when we were gonna be gone. Like he figured we were gonna stay in a camper and Dane's camper, which didn't work out. <laughs> Dane was supposed to come with his yeah. camper, but that's that's a that's as much as information he had. <laughs> And, like, he knew what <laughs> meals we're planning, but, like, that's it. So, if anybody, like, has a friend like that, you should probably cherish them. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just had been so busy at work. Like, yeah. like, you know, it, Hunter's had his own busyness, but, like, I've had the craziest summer in September of work. And, like, the two weeks leading up to this hunt for us, uh, work had just beat the crap out of me, so like I was, yeah, mentally not there. Um, I just was like, oh my gosh, I want to get out of town, and I did. Not <laughs> it is a little like difficult, and like it, I struggle with this sometimes. It's like when Jared lives in a you know a different city than us, so like yeah. I just for some reason out of kind of out of sight out of mind situation i mean we were all in a group chat together talking about it and i just would forget to say say things yeah. I, because like we would talk about it and i would just assume that everybody knew about it i was so yeah. scatterbrained well, it all worked so what out what happened was is you talked to him after your antelope hunt and you stopped there and like had a conversation with him mm-hmm. so like my in this you know assume makes an ass how do you mean what did yeah but like my assumption was that you were communicating with him about everything yeah and so i didn't and like my communication was like oh are you going and he's like yeah like we talked about it a little bit and then that was the end of it so like my i assume but 
So I'm in North Platte. I was freaking out. And I start heading towards Ogallala with one eye. I'm just driving. And I go out, like, I start heading west. And I stop, like, I get out there and I stop because I'm like, I have a feeling this is going to be in the back roads. Because we lost, Jared and I had lost all communication with you. And yeah. Like, you said you were going to send a pin, and I'm like, uh, we got nothing. And he asked me, like, I told him the direction we were going. But, like, he's like, do you know where we're camping? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I told, I did tell you where so, we were camping. And expi- at least I explained it. I, di- I did feel bad. I said I would drop you a pin. And I ended up losing service way before I thought I would. So when I'm, like, heading west, I... I stop out there at a gas station and I'm like, like, I'm not gonna lie. Like I was just praying like, God, just like make this trip a little bit simpler. Cause this is just a stress fest and I don't need this right now. <laughs> and I walk in and I put my contact in and it goes in perfectly and like no problems. It felt good. No, like wasn't itchy. I'm like, okay, like we're, we're okay. Like we're going in the right direction here. Right. <laughs> Cause I did not want to drive out in the middle of nowhere with no service with one eye that yeah, was not right. happening. So, <laughs> so I started doing my research about kind of what you had told me about where we're going. And I, I had generally figured out where we're like, uh-huh. where we're staying. And so I sent that pin on to Jared and I said, Hey, like, this is where we're going. Um, this is what he had told me. This is what I think <laughs> where we're heading. So keep going. And drop service. I'm like, GPS kept going. I'm like, okay, this is good. And I get out and I get to where you're at. And I managed to find where we're staying at. And I'm like, okay, like this is good. You know, like I'm excited because I got out there. My biggest thing is like I I pull in the parking lot and there's like two or three vehicles. Uh I figured it was going to be packed. I Yeah. So I'm like, like, okay, like this is great. Make a sandwich. I'm just sitting there thinking like, Oh crap! Like I'm worried about Jared because he's also <laughs> making the trip out in the middle of nowhere, and like I hope I gave him enough information. Like, well, and wouldn't that be just an asshole thing? Like, <laughs> you get done hunting the next day, and you have to go back to town to get service, and you're like, "Where are you at?" And he's just like, uh, "I don't know. I just went home." Yeah. Well, about I don't know, ten or fifteen minutes before he showed up, I had already started thinking about like I'll drive back down, yeah, and figure service out if he can't. Uh, he uh, just and he managed to come. Was about thirty forty five minutes. Here come here yeah, he comes. I did screw the pooch on that one a little bit. <laughs> uh, that is definitely my fault. <laughs> but he had such a good attitude about yeah. it. He gets to camp. He's like, "Oh hey, I found you guys." <laughs> yep. It's like you guys want a sandwich? Nah, we already have one. Okay. It's like, oh, I brought breakfast burritos. Okay, perfect. I love Jared. Absolute unit of a man. That just like, where am I sleeping? Oh, you get the tent or in the middle of the tent. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> he's, he's such a, he's just such an easy guy to get along with. <laughs> oh man. So, so that's that's the night. So the morning we get up, we get rolling, and like, keep keep in mind the 
probably the first opener in like years that I've gotten sleep before. So, so we we got up at like three AM to get going. I don't think anybody else in the parking lot got up for another probably hour and a half. Yeah, we, we probably could have slept till like four thirty. Yeah. And so we we get down there. Um we <laughs> We walked down. So something that's happened a lot in Nebraska this year is there's been a lot of blue-green algae. So I didn't talk about this. I did go with Jeremy on a teal hunt, but that day, I didn't end up going on a teal hunt with him because there was on – I got to the edge of the bank. There's no blue-green algae. We get over to where we normally hunt at. We get around the edge, and there's, like, blue-green algae everywhere. So I called Nala over. She kind of, like, ran into it a little bit, sat her down. Waited for Jeremy to tell tell him what's going on, and I left. I washed her off, called the vet. She's like, well, you can't really do anything unless she, like, throws up. Watch her. Nothing happened because she didn't ingest anything. Okay, we're good. So morning of Big Duck opener out west, we walk out there. So I start going, and I'm, like, trying to jump from, like, dirt clod to dirt clod in order to get closer to the water <laughs> to figure out if there's... Uh, algae out there well in the midst of that i said like this is a dangerous game (laughs) and i just felt like oh i'll be fine (coughs) and i wish i'd gotten it on video i really did my you're both just kind of like you said that i should have pulled my phone out and like like, recorded it y'all were just sitting there giggling like schoolgirls, and i'm just hopping and just like next thing you know sink sunk (laughs) he sunk good ankle deep sunk and so i like started jumping back and like jumping out i'm like (laughs) like i'm just trying to run away from it but then it was worse (laughs) and then i'm like oh crap i gotta go back for my uggs because i got like slip on uggs and i'm like had to dig those out it i at that point i just gave up (laughs) and i hear jared in the background he's like ah don't worry about it i got extra socks like how do I like? I love you. Yeah, no, I, like, I that was one, like when I when you got to us and I saw you, I was like, oh my gosh, he's like gonna be miserable. He can't figure out. Like I was like, I love you, and so I started walking up the hill, and I was actually gonna keep my feet out of my Uggs, try to keep them cl- kind of clean on the inside. I ended up getting like two or three slivers. She she had to dig one out out of really? my callus. I had to cut my callus back. And had to dig into my foot to get one because it yeah. still hurt. And it finally today it feels better. Hey. But like I had to pop that. It was weird. Like I had Not to pop it like a pimple to get it out. Don't like, I've never had a sliver like that. And I don't know, it sucked. But so we get back to the truck, get out there, and I'm like, okay, we'll set up decoys and I'll come back for Nala. Get the decoy set up, and there's like, it's about as clear blue green algae as you can like find. It really well, was. Like, we went back and forth on it. I think the problem, I had told Hunter that the spot probably, there was a good chance. Because I wasn't down by the water's edge, but I drove and I could see, like, blue-green algae, when it's there, it kind of looks like gas on top of water. Yeah. Or oil or, you know, whatever. You can see the, you can see the rainbow. Um, But we got down there and we went back and forth on it. Honestly, I think it was blue-green algae that was already dying, but it just was not worth Yeah. Just not worth the risk. It definitely was blue-green, but it was starting to turn brown like it was dying. But uh, it wasn't worth it. it and wasn't. so uh got set up. The hardest part for me is where I literally sitting there and like we're 200 yards from the truck. 
we're down like downhill set up like the birds aren't going to be worried about where our trucks are at the way that we're we're set up but like you could just hear Nala yeah crying because she was just so excited and so wound up and like and I even think about it now like breaks my no, heart. No, I every time I would hear her, I'd look over you and you can just see you can see the pain in your well, eyes. It's so hard because you like you have this dog that is yeah. born and bred and you've trained it to like it's it's life's purpose is to love you, be a family dog and kill ducks. Like that is what its purpose yeah. is. And so I haven't, like, I didn't hunt at opening day, or I didn't hunt Nala opening day teal because of all the madness. I wasn't going to put her in that position because of where everybody was set up is so close. I wasn't going to, she did dove hunt a couple times, but, like, and then she didn't get that teal hunt in. So, like, she really, she hadn't ever even, she hadn't even picked up a waterfowl this year. Yeah. And so, like, with that and, like, everything that's going on, being busy with a baby, like, it just, I just felt bad for her. And so, it was hard. That was really, really tough. Yeah. But the sunrise did make it make it feel better. And then watching shovelers like oh. pedal across, like yeah, the, that did make me in a the, good mood. The sunrise and the ducks really, really helped. So we get into this haunt. Oh my gosh. Just how do I say this? It? Like just I, I I don't know exactly how to put in words, but like incredible because I've been on a lot of, I've been on openers and I tend to like stick to private because of the madness, but like do because of, of a certain, a few certain things here. One, East Nebraska, there, there were holes of ducks, but for a majority of it, very dry, lack of ducks. Um, I actually felt bad talking to everybody that hunted opener. Yeah. Cause we had the best opener of everybody I know. Yeah. Everybody else had kind of a miserable time. So, like, you have a lot of people in a small area hunting, like, low numbers of ducks with low water. Like, it just is kind of a crap scenario. And to be honest, I don't know that I would have went out. Like, no, we I, probably would have went to the old good old hole and sat up and see what had happened. Even then, Troll and my dad were going to go, but there were already people there. Yeah. So... Yeah, I would have struggled to have been able to go, like, want to go. And so, the fact that we managed to get into a spot with, so we ended up shooting, there's a lot of blooming teal, we shot some shovelers. The one one that got me that was hilarious and just, like, started the hunt, just, like, the freshness of it was, there's a shoveler that came by and I popped it. And then I was going to get that shoveler, and there was a couple that were jacking around farther down from us, came straight at us, uh-huh. popped another one, and I don't know if you, I think you had shot a teal maybe on the other side. I shot a, I shot a gadwall right after oh, you yeah, shot yeah. that. A gadwall, and then, dang, you really did shoot all the puddlers. I did, yeah. So, um, you were getting the gadwall, and I shot one of the shovelers, the other shoveler went around this little island thing where hunting on and <laughs> he shot the other one yeah uh, so like the madness at the beginning of the hunt and so we just we, we shot five ducks in the first three minutes yeah of shooting it wasn't right at shooting light but i mean we and you know like we had nobody within i think the closest group i would guess was 500 yards away probably yeah maybe, maybe. and they were around a corner i mean you could hear them calling and shooting every once in a while but it's so I one thing I did notice out there is everything carries out yeah. there because it's so 
I mean, it's Rolly Hill, but it's still relatively flat. Yeah. So it carries very well out there. It's uh so like you know, lack of lack of pressure on ducks, um lack of people, just like everything that you're you're wanting on a like an opening day hunt is like birds, kind of a spot to yourself, not the craziness, be able to hunt with your buddies mm-hmm. and like um just it Within. It made me enjoy duck hunting, and, like, I had such a negative perception of duck hunting this year that, like, yeah. it just was, like... Me and Hunter have been strugg- struggling with hunting, or the duck hunting, with the water. Um, Dakota, stay down. Well, like, you know, you start from the uh, opening detail was crap, lack of water, crazy people, we lost the lease, like, everything that... Kind of was just negative, I guess yeah. you'd say. So, so uh, and I knew, like, you were struggling extra hard because Hunter's got limited time this year with the kit coming, and he wanted to get, like, we were really hoping for the lease and some good water in it. Yeah. Because um, that was going to be our bread and butter. But, uh, you know, that didn't pan out. And I literally, like, when Shay even hinted at the idea of you being able to go on this, I was like, we're making this happen. Like, yeah. like this... Like if Shay had if Shay had said no, you can't go. Once she figured out the service, I was gonna call her and be like, "Look, please let a homie go. We've already planned this." You said yes. <laughs> when she said yes, I literally was like, "You heard it. That might as be might as well be in stone. Like, yeah. we're going." <laughs> so, um, like opening day was just it was it was. I haven't had an opening day like that in a while. It was like one of the better opening days I've ever experienced. I think. I mean, we shot 16 of our 18 ducks. Good little mixed bag. Great. Like, I, the only thing I would complain about the entire weekend is the wind really screwed us yeah. a lot. Like, if we'd had good wind, like, it was mostly flat the whole time. I forgot my jerk rig. Your pulsator wouldn't work. Um, so we had no water movement whatsoever. And that, we struggled with that. Um, yeah. We would, we had a lot of mallards that would give us looks opening morning but um it just wouldn't work out because there's no movement um but i mean we shot blue wings gadwall shoveler (laughs) uh and me and uh me and jared (laughs) i'd never seen a pair of this this early but we ended up shooting a couple mergs and They came over our heads, and I had no idea what they were. I just knew they were ducks. Jared ended up shooting one of them. I missed my first shot, and, like, the other one just kind of landed out there. And we were walking out to get his duck. And this other merganser gets up and starts flying, and I just was like, nah, screw it. I crushed this thing at, what? 50 yards probably it was it was i literally was like ah screw it well it was wounded yeah i i you know because it hit the water that was what was going through my head was i might be wounded or something and and you know and i just i rolled it i mean (laughs) i just crushed it (laughs) and jared was like oh my god (laughs) he was freaking out he was really impressed (laughs) that was a Legit shot. Uh, yeah. 
but um, Jared struggled with his shooting a little bit too. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't on opening day, but at one point, one of the day, uh, on Sunday, he literally like it's like any of you guys want this shotgun because I can't hit anything <laughs> with it. <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll we'll get to his woes. Yeah, so he missed. He, there's a couple of ones that he missed, but I also missed like one or two. You have one that's gonna end up Just on the gram at some point. Three P loss, like <laughs> fail. So yeah, like we all have our moments, but I mean. It was just refreshing, I guess. I yeah. would say, if anything, like to have a hunt like that and just get in the mode. And so we get done. We have lunch. We roll back into town. So this is the second part. I don't know. I think I told I think I told both of you about this, but I'm I don't not not sure, but I think so. So we get back to town. So I call Shay and I'm like talking to her and I said, Hey, like, you know, I told you you're gonna be in and out of service. She's like, Oh yeah, that's all good. And, um I got something kinda inter like important to tell you and I'm like, What's that? And she's like, So last night I uh She's been having Braxton Hicks, which is contractions, which happen during pregnancy pretty normally. But the difference between, like, Braxton Hicks and, like, actual contractions before you have your baby or going to labor is, like, the time frame. And some people say it feels different. I don't know. I'm not a woman, so I wouldn't know. So we, she was telling me that she was having Braxton Hicks, and it got to the point where it was fast enough that it was, like, contractions. So she was freaking out. She thought she was going into labor. Like, she, like she called her mom. Her mom thought he was going to labor. We have a fam, or we have a, Shay has a friend that is a nurse practitioner that specializes in um, babies or pediatrics. Uh-huh. Or OB, OB, anyway. And she's also becoming, like, she's becoming a full-fledged doctor, uh-huh. the OB doctor, and uh, is in school to do that. And she even said, like, I don't mean to freak you out, but, like, you need to put everybody on standby. So I'm out in the, I'm out in BFE, B, you know, but yeah. nowhere. And uh, I don't have service. And she's freaking out because she thinks she's going into labor. Uh-huh. Like, this is the night. told this, me something like this that. Is the, this is the nightmare that she was looking at. Like, oh, crap. Well, I think it's, she thinks it's the same thing. She thinks it was a stress, um, like, anxiety, stress, stress based because of me being gone and, like, you know, worried about having it. And, like, she's still, we're still, like, five, six weeks out, so I'm very happy it didn't happen because I'd, I'd, you know, I'd much rather it cook Fully cook. I mean, I like my cookies a little soft, but my babies, I like them fully cooked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know somebody's laughing about that. Oh, my that. gosh. I hope somebody isn't mad, or isn't mad about that. But, okay, so that was, yeah, that was interesting to hear, but we're all good. We're I'm, I'm back. We haven't had the baby yet, so yeah, that's a good thing. So we finish up. We head back out to go scout. Uh, we, we, and we, I will say, I, I got to throw it in there. We, we, it was pretty warm, so we took the dogs down to the lake. Yeah, and I haven't because we haven't had, we haven't been on the podcast. I've been a little. I brought Dakota. Obviously, she's been doing really good lately. I had a section, a period of time where uh, I was really worried she wouldn't pick up retrieving all that well. Yeah. She started off super duper strong. And then I think I just pushed it too much and she like, yeah, didn't want to retrieve it all. And like, 
a couple days before we left, I was getting her to retrieve really, really well again and making it more like fun. And then we took her down to the lake and she was doing so well and like literally shaking from excitement. I hadn't yet to see that and working with like, I know it was just basic, but just working with Nala, yeah, two of them, they did, she did so well. Yeah. It was super fun. It was a great little mid afternoon, just kind of break away from things. It was, we all wanted to take naps, but it was too hot. Like, yeah. Saturday got to like 85, which yeah. in the sand, I, he could have told me it was like 95 degrees out. Yeah. Um, but we all wanted to take naps, but it was just too hot. So, well, it was nice to get out because that, it would, just the lake in general was like nice and cool. It felt so good. It's just like nice, refreshing. Had some had some Bud Light limes. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah, we. So we got to got to go out and scout. So we're looking for a new spot. Got in like a whole new area. Yeah, and like we drove past on like some of the refuge lakes where you can't hunt. Yeah, just like tons like uh waterfowler's dream in terms of like watching waterfowl. yeah exactly just like the quantities the difference in species Uh like how they acted like in eastern nebraska like you just really you don't see mallards get up on the banks like they do in western nebraska and like hang out and like to see them interact and like it's just uh, awesome yeah it was a sweet experience a little bit uh, painful at the same yeah. time. I mean, well, you, you just see like a whole island out in the middle of this lake with pintails just lined up. Yeah, it's incredible. But you also we like, saw some for early October. We saw some absolute stud pintails. Like pintails, I saw a couple of Drake mallards that look cool. Mm-hmm. We saw that one wood duck that was real cool looking. That was a pretty wood duck. It was hanging out underneath a log. Um, but yeah, I mean, awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So, we managed to stumble into a pretty sweet spot. Yeah, we ended up basically finding a huntable spot that looked exactly like those private and refuge ponds. Yeah. And uh, tons, tons. I've never seen so many widgeon in my life. No. That was insane, the amount of widgeon. That we're in that little hole. It's I mean, just, and I say little, and it's probably like a 50, 60 acre pond. Yeah. Um, but crazy, crazy number of widgeon. Like, I, I've, I've talked about on the podcast, I felt like widgeon numbers were really far down because I haven't seen them in the last mm-hmm. couple of years, which turned out to be completely correct. The widgeon numbers are way down. They are. But for us to see that many widgeon, and, like, I love, I love hunting widgeon because... Widgeon are some of my favorites. They just, like, they, tor- they're torpedoes. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so fun, you know, getting into the hunt a little bit, watching them. Yeah. Because they literally... Widgeon and Gadwall, I don't know what it is about them, but they just love to be a mile high and then come down to, like, you know, 100 yards off the water or whatever, like, in one shot. You don't just try and circle and circle. No, they just lock, drop. In the arms of an angel. Yeah. I'm coming down. 
But uh, so we get we get this place scouted. Um, we're really excited. We kind of like trail off towards this other way. We're talking. We're going to talk about this. I like. I have a hard time talking about the podcast because I want to keep it to myself. But like, I have seen way more pheasants this year than I have in a very long time Acro- across the state. And I'm just like, that makes me really, really excited. Yeah. And like, I know it's a little bit because dry years we tend to see more of them, and because there tend to be like more vegetation around ponds that end up staying and don't get washed. Or whatever, and so it's just like this is a year I've seen more pheasants than I have, and like we saw, I would say we I visually saw about thirty, and I know you saw more than that the day before. Well, we and there. I won't we'll get to this obviously, but the spot that I ended up hunting on Monday, yeah, everything we saw or heard was nothing compared to that corner. Really, nothing. So, like, we, we visually saw, I saw 30. You saw more than that before we got there the day before in our scouting. So, like, to see that many pheasants was exciting to begin with. And, like, I definitely saw thought we saw, her, heard way more than we ever saw. And so, you would, how about we take a break and let her yeah, out? Yeah, I'll quick. say she might. All right, we'll be back in a sec. All right, we're back. So, talk about pheasants. Just like the sheer amount that I saw out there, it hurts my soul a little bit because I want to be out there for opening weekend. Yeah, I'm already trying to plan a trip. I know. Like, I actually wish you could go. But, like, if you guys haven't had the kid yet, yeah, you will be, like... Right there. Yeah. No, I. it's... It, if I were in your shoes, I would do the exact same thing, and I, I guess I would. It sucks because I know the opportunities there, and like I love as a hunting, so it's yeah. hard for me. But it just, it's just not in the cards this year. And we'll, well, we'll do. Well, we were joking about it even today. You keep sending me all these trip ideas for next year, but we're <laughs> gonna do a few trips next year. Yeah. Um, to make to make up's probably not the right word, but to well, I just jump like, back in. I guess when you start traveling and hunting, like, this is something that I kind of, like, thought about in the past with, like, you talk about Mid-Valley Mercenaries and Titus and those guys have, like, really started traveling the last Mm -hmm. couple years. And, like, they've gone to where they're almost, like, consistently uh, successful because they hit certain spots when it's good. Mm -hmm. And so they've really managed to filter their, their hunting season in a way. Hey that works out for them to be successful because, you know, like, you know, the guys that are really, like, good or, like, say, you know, like, especially guys, they hunt up in Canada and into North Dakota and then they jump, they tend to jump down to Missouri and then Arkansas and then whatever south and they kind of make their way back up with snow geese. Um, That's how they're constantly being successful. And so, you know, following the migration to an extent, but also, like, for us... You know, it's just, it's cool to find, number one, it's cool to find new areas. 
Two, it's fun to experience new places. And I, you know, it, I've never really done the whole tent camping, like rough it kind of deal for, for hunting. And I, I really enjoy that. She peed over here, but it's yeah. concrete, so I mean, I didn't even realize it. It's better than Zeus's vomit pu- puke spots. I mean, it's gonna get covered up by something eventually. Oh well. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I love doing that kind of stuff. Actually, like we obviously we've been talking about going up there for a while, um, and I really wanted to go this year. Yep. I was so glad when we were able to. The only thing I wish could have happened is that my dad or Terrell couldn't go. Like, and then Dane, yeah, Dane just kind of got stuck with Harvest, yeah. Um, but which, if I were you, I'd be doing the same thing in pheasant hunting. And I, I talked to Eastside Jared today, and I told him about you know our experience and everything. And I said, I was like, you need to you need to go to Jeremy and go out there. He called he season. called me today actually. Oh, he did. Um. And I missed it and called him back, and he must have been on the phone with someone else because he um, said he would call me back, but he never did. That's a hallmark. Yeah, I'll I'll <laughs> text him tomorrow and just tell him he can call me whenever. Yeah, but, but yeah, I told him to go out there with you guys at some point. And like, I think to- I'm going to talk to Dane. I, I actually am serious about potentially going over opener of pheasant. Yeah. You know, maybe if, if my schedule works, leaving like Thursday and hunting ducks on Friday, hunting pheasants in the morning on Saturday, and then duck hunting in the evening, whatnot. And then, yeah. Just doing a big trip out of it. Yeah. Um, I've even actually, I talked to Brett Swantek. See, oh, see okay. if uh, he'd be interested in going. That's Which, hard, though. I'm going to have to figure out somebody to go with me down here. I need to find another dog. So if anybody's got a dog that is good at pheasant hunting and wants to go with me. Take Terrell. That's <laughs> yeah, not a bad option. I don't know. Terrell would like to go, but I know Terrell. A little nervous about Zuko. I don't I think he'd be great at retrieving. And the only thing that worries me sometimes about upland or dogs that are retrievers and not upland dogs, they tend to get too far out there. And yeah. When, when they get a scent they just Trell Trell's been working on recall with him, but that's the only thing that makes me nervous. No, I agree. I like I'm so excited for her because she goes out to about thirty yards and then she looks back. Yep. So she doesn't go super far. I just my favorite is when I like Nala's head or tail just pops out of yeah. the grass and she just like she almost I don't know how she does it. I wonder if she stands up in her back legs. But she just like pops out of the grass and she just kinda looks at me. Like, you still there? Like you you're still walking, right? So, yeah. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to try and plan a trip up there, actually. I think it would be cool if Jared came out. I wish he would have been able to go with us. I wish we had had, like, four or five more people, honestly, made a big camp out of this. Well, I think that's probably what's going to happen next year. Well, yeah, no. Because I, <laughs> I, I talked to my cousin Dalton yesterday, and I'm like, oh, we need to do this. He's like, oh, he's got a big fifth-wheel camper. Uh-huh. Like, you know, if I know we're going to do this, we'll pull a big fifth wheel out there and we'll just have a grand old time. Yeah. We talked about doing a big duck camp this year too. So, um, I think this will probably, other than if we have a, like a super like wet year, like 2018, this would probably be my norm. And even then I probably would still go back up there. 
because I like I liked it that much. There's so much in such a small area too yeah. uh, to get to, especially if you're willing to walk. Um, I mean, there's some lakes that you would have to walk a long ways or um, I'm pretty sure I would have to look at regulations, but I think some of those areas you'd be able to use like an e-bike. And I know a couple of people that have some of those like mountain e-bikes hmm. that would make it easier to get stuff back in there and other people could walk. Yeah. But anyways, uh, that's where the Sitka waiters come in. The sauce. <laughs> Dude, those things are so comfortable. I'm so happy I bought them. They're really worth it. If anybody asks, they're worth it. They're a lot, and I get it. And I understand if you, <coughs> I mean, you don't need them. You don't, but at the same time, they are pretty nice. I do, en- I do enjoy them. But, so yeah, so we got done, we got done with that. Um, Back to camp. After scouting, and had burgers and antelope steak. Yep, burgers and antelope steak. A few people had shown up in camp. Yeah, um, everyone kind of coincided and kind of filtered over to our camp. Which I like people. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I was we had found such a good spot that I like was trying to like. I bet. It sounds bad, but I was pushing people towards birds, but I was trying to push them as far away from us as possible. Yeah. But I, if those kids went to where I told them to go, they killed birds. Yeah. Like, no question about it. And they did well, especially because they had a blind. Yeah. Um, now, if they didn't, whatever. But we never saw them, so. And really, we ended up, I mean, we ended up not having anybody near us on Sunday. But yeah, we didn't end up not on our pond at least. Yeah, it was one away from us, but he yeah. was quite a ways from us. So yeah, it was. So okay, so Sundays, Sunday morning hunt, we get set up. I'm excited. We need to talk about uh about what Saturday night sleeping. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I knew we knew like I had screenshotted the weather to keep up to date on it and they said there was a possibility of a thunderstorm rolling through saturday night boy howdy was that a thunderstorm (laughs) so let's let's put this in perspective saturday morning our wind was like three miles an hour like three to five you know flat you know saturday night was like 20 to 25 probably or i would say like 15 with gusts up to 25 yeah and so they were, of course, all coming from the west, and I was sleeping on the west. And at first, uh, it like started, the wind started, and it pushed off the rain cover off uh, our side. And I was like, if it starts raining, which it kind of started sprinkling, I was like, this is gonna go, this is gonna go downhill quickly. Mm-hmm. So I, I like. <laughs> Climbed out of my sleeping bag, went out there, and like I could not find anything to put a stake <laughs> in with. And I looked over, and I'm like. This beer bottle is not really exactly what I'm looking for, but I'm going to make it work. I had fallen asleep because, like, I was in that space of I was asleep, but I wasn't, like, fully asleep yet. (laughs) And I just woke up to (laughs) ting, 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 ting. I was like, what the hell is going on out there? Your bottles have very, like, 
very distinct sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I ding, 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 gets it in, and I'm just worried about it breaking and, like, smashing and cutting my yeah, hand. Yeah, right. So, like, I'm ding, ding, get it in there. I'm like, okay, like, we're good. Climb in bed, and I climb in, and I don't know if you were, like, really, like, awake or anything. You're like, did you just use a beer bottle to <laughs> knock that thing in? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so I fall asleep. I'm I'm a very heavy sleeper, so it like it takes a lot for me to wake up. Yeah, I wake up. We we went to bed at like eight nine. Yeah, we went to bed. Early. That is a nice thing about having no service. You go to bed. <laughs> yeah, at like nine forty five ten o'clock, I woke up and like it is blowing. It's blowing and it's pouring. Pouring and like, if anybody like. Tents, for the most part, are waterproof, but unless, like, you're up against the edge, that's when yeah. it, like, gets in or, like, gets onto you. And, like, this, the tent, we figured out later, but, like, the two sides, they must have pulled out. And so uh-huh. it was basically, like, the only thing holding the tent from flying away on my side was my cot. Yeah, we were the only thing keeping that tent there. So I'm soaked. Like, my blanket, so I've been using my, my sleeping bag, and then I had the blanket over top of me. My blanket is soaked. Yeah. And I look over, and Nala is wet. Because <laughs> I brought her dog bed. She had been sleeping on the dog bed. <laughs> She's soaked. So I put a I put her blanket over her, and then I put one of my hunting jacket over her to, I figured it was going to get wet, but I was like, whatever, I'll sacrifice it. So my hunting jacket over her. I go back to sleep. I curl up, go back to sleep. I wake up. It's midnight, and, like, my blanket's soaked, and, like, my sleeping bag is definitely damp. Not soaked, yeah. but damp. And I look over, and Nala is just, like, looking at me like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, <laughs> my hunting jacket was soaked. The blanket was soaked. She was soaked. Her dog bed was soaked. And so she just, like, crawls up on the bed and, like, kind of gets underneath the sleeping bag and goes back to sleep. And now... That was the night. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I, I didn't have as hard a time as Hunter did, but I definitely <laughs> did. I will say, the rainfly had like come off. Like yeah. there was a two or three inch gap yeah. between the rainfly and the main tent, so it's just coming through on my face. Like that rain was hitting me in the face at about ten o'clock, and I was like, I. I had just one of those moments of I could hear it was absolutely pouring. Yeah. And I was like, so I can either go outside and fix this or the wind is blowing enough that like it only hit, like the rain only gets through like every once in a while. And so I just slid down on my cot, cuddled up with Dakota real good. Yeah. And I said, no, nah, I'm just going to ride this out till morning. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I'll so, get I'll get drenched wet if I go out and deal with it right now. So I was, I honest, honest to God, thought that I, I was like thinking about getting in the, my pickup and just riding it out from the pickup. And looking back, if I would have known that at like 930, 945, I definitely would have. Oh, yeah. No, I. I would have. And like, not a thought. But I was like. I'm going to get better sleep if I stay in here on the cot. And, like, I just don't want to deal with this. I'm exhausted from the day. I just want to go back to sleep. Right. But, I like, I woke up at that, like, 1 o'clock, and I was just, like, I was just kind of pissed off because I was, like, seriously, we can't get any wind during the day, but you're giving yeah. me this? Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, this is ridiculous. No, it was. And by the time we woke up, it was dead calm again. Yeah. I mean, that storm blew through, dumped a 
saw the amount of rain and tried to blow us into freaking Iowa. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was, that was special. So we all, we all, and Jared got pretty wet too, cause he's of course on the floor and yeah. we wake up and we're getting dressed and like at one of the feet of my cot, um, there's a puddle of water, yep. <laughs> like not too far from Jared. And I was like, Oh man, the whole, the whole thing was a mess. He's so perky about it too. He's, he's like, like, he's like, yeah, the tent can't slap me in the face. <laughs> like I just, yeah. And you know, Jared warned us before this, like before we went to bed the first night. But Jared snores. Yeah. And it was I, when I did wake up to you banging with the beer bottle. Um, Jared was very like he was asleep, and like it was funny to listen to the snoring because he'd snore and then the tent would hit him. <laughs> And kind of like silence the snoring for a moment, <laughs> and then in snore, tent hit him. So it was, uh, uh, the whole situation was just—it was comical but painful at the same time. Like, like, kind of like—is this really happening to us? And like at the same time, is this really you know freaking happening to us right now? Like, sometimes give us a break. You just kind of embrace the suck. Yeah, I feel. I I said it the next day. I was like. I just felt like Mother Nature was getting payback because we had such a good day. Yeah. It's like, okay, we'll give you a good time, but after that we're gonna we're gonna ruin your night. Yeah. So So well, when we got to the field, we were all super tired. I was like we had gotten decoys and everything set up and um we weren't too far from the truck. We all came back and sat at well, actually you guys came back and sat at the truck. And I, I was already, I was still there getting other stuff ready. Yeah. And we just all kind of either laid down in the beds of the trucks or I got in the front, I got in the passenger seat at one point, cuddled up with Dakota and just yeah. kind of like, we just kind of sat there, <laughs> ate our breakfast burritos. Yeah, I was watching the stars. It was nice. Uh, that is one aspect of the sand hills. Stars are stunning. It's just like everything seems brighter. And so I was just watching. Watching stars, talking to Jared. Yeah. Kind of just taking it all in, taking the experience in. You know, well, we got started with the hunt. And a part of the aspect of that hunt was is we had seen a lot of big ducks yeah. out in this pond. And so we were really excited about shooting big ducks because we had shot so many teal the day before. So light comes up. We see a few widgeon kind of trickle out to seem like they were going to go feed somewhere. And some mallards. And so... He seemed really excited because we kept hearing a lot of ducks fly around yeah. and like splashing the decoys and stuff. And so, um, that part of it really excited about. Well, shooting time happened and there's a bunch of teal that just keep coming by or landing. And I literally could have sh- I could have shot a limited teal on my first ten minutes of the hunt. And so we're just sitting there like, so we're trying to not, but at the same time, there was one that sat in our decoys. It ended up being the one you shot first, like. Hunter looked at me and was like, are you going to shoot it? And I was like, it's a teal. I just, I'm not yet to where I want to shoot teal this morning. Like, I want to try and wait for big ducks. Yeah. And so, I like, was like, but you can shoot it. I mean, because like, you had Nala. Yeah. I wanted to get her on birds. It's like a few minutes before shooting times. So here comes this hen mallet just like hovering. Oh, yeah. The decoys. And I'm like, oh, I just want to splash you right now. So, I'm just like, ah, screw it. So, I shot the teal. <laughs> 
And Nala goes out to get it, and she's, like, most of the way back. And here comes this two-pack of blue ink just, like, right in our face uh-huh. at, like, 10 yards. Drop the one. And, like, I, I definitely could have shot the second one, but I was like, ah, you know what? Like, I don't want to shoot, like, all of my ducks today in teal. Yeah. So I decided not to. Actually, I kind of regret not doing it. But Yeah. Um, Nala, go, Nala goes and gets that one. We get back, and... Jared shot a teal that and, ended up getting away. And, like, it was just trying to get Nala on it, just, like, the fran- the chaos of the whole situation. So I'm out, like, trying to get Nala on this bird, and we got a couple birds working and, like, <laughs> kind of frantic. And I look over. Mind, and, mind you, I haven't pulled the trigger yet yeah. this morning, and I've been letting all these teal go so Jared could shoot it and miss. and uh, hunter had shot two teal and i was just patiently waiting and finally (laughs) we get a big a big duck that's working and i mean just this ended up being a hen widgeon i believe Yeah. yeah just decided that she wanted it and hunter's out in the decoys with gnaw and i was like there's no way this bird will end up actually making it down sure is Sure as shit, it ended up making it down. <laughs> and, like, I was like, I haven't shot yet. Like, Hunter will be a decent guy and let it go, right? Like, like I'm sure he can see that it's going to end up on my side of the decoys anyway. Yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And yeah. I literally was like, I was in the process of shouldering my gun, and Hunter just smacks this thing. And I look... Mind you, Hunter had already ruined one widgeon for us that morning because he was... You were... Uh, putting bird, putting a bird or something yeah, back by the sled. back in the yeah, uh, uh, by the kayak. Yeah, and like we had this widgeon that was like just absolutely dumping in as he's walking back to the to the blind, and so uh, <laughs> he literally smacked that widgeon, and I was like, "Are you blanking kidding <laughs> me? Like you've screwed that up for me twice this morning now? Like that's the second widgeon you've." taken from me <laughs> like i don't know why but early on all the big ducks wanted to land on like my side of the spread yeah. and so like you know they didn't give us great not all of them gave us good looks because uh um don't you do it don't you do it she's looking for it oh uh, i think you're all right now um but we didn't have any wind yet again, so they really weren't doing it good enough to get into shooting range. I probably could have tried to shoot a lot of birds in that 45-yard range, but yeah, I'm not going to do that. Well, I don't uh, think we end up shooting anything over 30 the whole weekend. No, not really, except for that Merg yeah. that I shot. But. So I don't, like, I look over, and you're just switching, <laughs> and Jared's just like, oh, hey, look at that, or hey, look, that widgeon. I just like oh, okay, whatever. Pop <laughs> comes down. Are you blanket kidding me? And I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I literally was. I was so mad. I, I mean, I wasn't mad. Like I was glad that you got it, but I just at the same time was like, are you kidding me? Like I've been letting all these teal go, and you guys have been shooting them. I'm just waiting for a big duck. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. And I mean, it it was fine. And then eventually, I don't. So we get back in the blind, and we got. We had Widgeon kind of, like, coming in and out. And, like, the hard part is a lot of them were 
tucked up against that west side. There was a because a, of the wind. Well, the wind, and there was a metric ton of coots. Yeah, like I, there was a crazy amount of coots on that west side, and I, we were just competing with too many live birds. Yeah, um, and it was it was the only aspect of it that was fun was like watching them work. Yeah. Um. So. So. Uh, a lot of those birds would kind of. Uh, Come across the lake and like give us a look and just kind of yeah. splash down there, which the live birds didn't help, but I and think we, a part of it was our hide. Yeah, we and we had talked about it potentially being an issue, and then finally we had three widgeon that literally locked up, and we're gonna come like we're dropping into the decoys on my side of the blind, the reeds that we were sitting in, and I watched them. I mean, they flared hard, and I literally looked. I was like. That's it. We're moving. Yep. I mean, I, we had talked about it already, and we were just kind of waiting for a deciding factor. And I said, "No, that's it. Like we're we got to yep. move." And all we did was move twenty five yards down. Basically, our end decoys on the left yeah. side. We just did a little flip flop, and we got uh, in. We got into uh, really some taller reeds and thicker reeds as well. And uh, ducks could not see us at all. Well, I mean, literally, we we just got set up. Everybody just got into the blind. And, like, 30 seconds after we got situated, Greenwing just dumps in. I crush that thing. About a minute or two later, we get a drink. No! Hey! Hey! Outside. All right, we're back. (laughs) Oh, pupper's here. An accident. Sorry for the... (laughs) Oh, I plan on editing. Oh, okay. Too. There's a couple other pieces I plan on editing. Yeah. Don't give out locations. Yeah, I I didn't want to. That's okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. That'll get cut out. So, haha, I can't figure that out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Not sorry. But uh, okay, back to our hunt. So, we decided to move. Uh, yeah. You shot. You shot the green wheat teal. You shot the, the other up, widgeon. Ended up shooting a widgeon like within. Five minutes of us yep. getting to that spot, um, and they were both feet in the decoys. Like yep. I actually, I did end up putting a few BBs in one of my decoys. <laughs> I'm kind of mad about it. Brand new, first time ever hunting with them. Of course, of course. Um, Got to give them their battle wounds. So, um, uh, and then yeah, I mean we ended up shooting a few more, and then yeah. I don't think I ended up, I actually didn't end up shooting anything. There was one teal that I missed that was just zooming by. Um, I didn't really have a good shot at it. Um, there was, I will say, like, Jared had a couple opportunities before, and then he also had, like, another opportunity when we were there, and, like, he was just struggling to shoot. Yeah. We kind of talked about that, I think, in the last episode, about, like, just struggling with shooting confidence. And some of it just ends up being, like, you just need a reset. Yeah. And I told him, I said, hey, like, if there's any singles coming in, like, you're getting it. Because yeah. I want you to have an opportunity to kind of get get back in the swing. And there was a, a widgeon that just oh. came just perfect. Like, And I, I didn't get to see it from their angle because I would, I, the, which I'm not usually one to do this, but we, we were on a trip. Yeah. And we had driven a long ways. The birds were rafting pretty hard. I had... We had a shoveler that we shot at. I thought I might have hit. So I went out on the kayak to look for that. Ended up finding the shoveler. And then I kind of... 
I more or less kind of pushed around the marsh a little bit to get birds up. I mean, we were the only ones out there, so birds were rafting pretty hard in certain areas. Um, which we didn't have any wind, which really yeah, didn't help. Yeah, no, it didn't. But while I was gone, there were a few birds that did it right for you guys. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a widgeon that just came in perfect, like right over the water, just pfft, nothing more. You could, and then it was backpedaling on the decoys, and Jared just dumped it, and I uh, went out and got it, and she brought it back to me, and I, you know, picked it up and looked at it, and it's just like... It might as well have been like a mid-November. It's like about as well-plumed of widgeon that you normally see, but also like it's crazy for being this early, yeah. for being that well-plumed. I mean, season was really early this year because it's always that first Saturday in October, and it was the first this year. And a lot of times you don't see good-looking birds. But the crazy thing is is we saw a lot of, like, fully plumed birds out there. A lot of mallards that were fully in. Uh, We saw some pintails that looked basically like January pintails. Um, And, yeah. And when I got back there, I was... I was a little jealous of that bird. That is a heck of a duck. Um, it was just hard because I like didn't even pick up my gun. Yeah, you I just, just I wanted him to get it, and like it's yeah, it's it, I'm very happy for him. Um, I'm very happy that he shot that. I'm I'm happy that it, you know he also shot another single that came in. I just said, hey, you shoot it, and I'm happy he got his confidence back. I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm stoked for him. I just hurts a little bit. I'm not gonna lie like I probably I very well could have thought about mounting it because it was that oh pretty. dude yeah I, I, if I had shot it I probably would have because like it would have been like an, I mean I, and it would have been like an emblem of our first trip to the sand hill, yeah in a lot of ways so I mean and this thing this was probably as close to a like a sto- and the funny thing is is Jared made a joke about it earlier in the day that he was going to shoot a storm widgeon. Right. And you know, the central flyway like obviously we have widgeon but storm, you know, true storm widgeon are very much so a Pacific uh flyway kind of thing and we don't really we get, you know, you good cotton tops every once in a while but we don't get like hardcore storm widgeon and yeah. this thing it's like he spoke it into existence because this thing looked like a storm widgeon yeah like it was crazy actually um almost had like a bright pink body yeah it was crazy so i i i'm curious i think he talked about getting him mounted i'm not not sure if he did for sure. I, I don't know. I know he. At least I saw in the story he definitely was showing his kid. He hadn't cleaned it, so he might have. I'm not sure, but so he ended up shooting a couple more. You got back on the kayak. Um, the irony is like we were talking about leaving, and then more birds are working out. Some pintails actually looking like they were going to come in. We had another set of group that came in. It was one of those. Is what it is scenario. Yeah, we fought that. We, the wind really screwed us on pretty much every day of this trip. Um, in some way, the wind messed us up. Um, we would have done way better both Saturday and Sunday on the big ducks in particular. Again, um, if we had just wanted to shoot teal, we could have probably shot three man limits of teal every single day. Yeah. Um, 
some and people and listen to the podcast like, how dare you? We you should have shot teal. I like shooting teal, but you know, I I always end up shooting a lot of teal on opening day, and then I like always try and reel back and yeah. try and shoot a few more big ducks. Try and like progress into more big ducks longer in the season. Now, I will say, I'll crush a green wing just about any day of the year because <laughs> uh, I think they're such cool little ducks and they taste yeah. really good. Um, but speaking of which, I I want to I want to make that chili that Jordan made. Did you see any of that? Mm-mm. Made like an enchilada chili. That sounds really with good. teal, and sounds fantastic. So I think I'm gonna make it. Hmm, that's a good but, idea. Um, so good call, good call. So yeah, um, that that pretty much finished up that day. I end up deciding to go home just because. Shade and I are pretty close to having the baby, and it's kind of our last go around to begin together. Together, so we end up. I came home and hung out with her Monday, and it was nice for us to just kind of reset and go do a couple things together. So that was really fun. I yeah. it was hard because I was I was very happy I came home. <laughs> I don't I don't I I should say I don't regret necessarily even if. With your success, I just, it was nice to come home. I do wish that I had had, like, wish there was more more time. <laughs> right. I mean, okay, if I could have added an extra day to, uh, like, the hunt, but also had an extra day off, I, I it would have been great. I, I guess from my perspective, it was just nice. To, it was cool to see the amount of like different type of birds you shot mm-hmm. on Monday morning. And I would have liked to, you know, be a part of like that mixed bag hunt. Like mix, I should say like. Big mixed bag guy. I Okay. If I did like take a duck hunt, my favorite hunts are Drake Mallards, you know, <laughs> full yeah. out Drake Mallards. But if it wasn't like full out Drake Mallards, I'd say mixed bags, a close second. Yeah. I love mixed bag hunts. Especially like, when big ducks are like the heavy involvement of it. Yeah. I mean, a mixed bag where you shoot blue wings and green wings involved. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's a mixed bag hunt, but you're still shooting like a lot of green or a lot of teal. So, yeah. but yeah, so I ended up staying on Monday. Hunter went home. I was a little, I would say I was a little disappointed, um, but I, I totally understood stood your reasonings um i probably would have done the same thing if i had been in your shoes yeah um but i I had an odd situation where i was i actually had to stay in the area um so the area we were in my mom there's this little coffee shop that makes really good cinnamon rolls i basically was like not demanded but Told, persuaded into by, uh, picking up an order of these cinnamon rolls for them. <laughs> Good and choice of words. <laughs> yeah, uh, they are fantastic cinnamon rolls. I, I'd tell you where they were, but just to ho- give the whole area off, and I'm not really interested in that. But, um, so I had to stay because the order was made for Monday, um, and honestly, I am. Ultimately, I'm glad that I did stay, but I was tempted to just sleep in my truck, pick up the cinnamon rolls, and come home. 
um, ended up talking with Matt, and I, I actually was like seeing if he wanted to go hunting because uh, I figured he'd be hunting on a Monday, um, and he was, but he was going. He already had plans with his one buddy that's got all the private up there, um, and but he he told me he's like, dude, you should still go. You're seeing lots of birds. You know, a solo sand sandhills hunt is like something you won't you won't forget. Yeah. And this is at like three thirty, four o'clock. He told me that, and I was still down in town, obviously looking for service, trying to keep people updated on what I was doing. Um, and ended up, I was like, all right, well, I better go up and scout. So I knew everything that we had hunted would have birds. Um had seen birds on my way out and so I wasn't worried about that um, but I wanted to check the new stuff you know continue to learn the area and I basically ended up uh, on this like around where we hunted on Sunday but I ended up heading south and uh, I found a sweet spot that actually reminds me of a place I like to hunt back here on this side of the state a lot. And, uh, I pulled up to it and I basically, you know, because it's so flat, I'm looking over it. I knew there was water there. Couldn't quite see down into the water. I got high enough or close enough that I could finally see into the water. And there like is probably four to 500 ducks sitting on this, like, a mm. uh, 60 yard wide 100 100 yards long pond pool i mean it's nothing huge um it was pretty low yeah uh there's just mallards and pintails i mean crazy like there's four to five hundred birds on it and i would say four hundred of them were mallards and pintails. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was compared to what we were seeing on all the private stuff. Um, and I literally was like, Oh my gosh. And there was pintails in there that literally looked like December, January pintails. And I just was like, okay. Yeah. Immediately I knew that's where I was hunting. Um, and so I just kind of, I watched them, for a little bit ended up checking like one more spot just because just because I was right there and decided I was gonna hunt that and I was really tired and like when you left I literally was ready to go home I just knew I was kind of stuck there um and like the sand hills are still a, a, a strong mystery to me like there's aspects of it the fact um, you don't know what you're going to get from pond to pond. Um, some of them are going to be gravelly bo- bottom and some of them are going to turn into, you might end up waist deep in mud if you're not careful yeah. and like it can get kind of dangerous. Um, and that's why we brought kayaks and whatnot. And, um, I knew that there was no way that this one I was in would be problematic, but going back up there, I definitely was like, all right, I got to find one that's going to be like pretty safe for me. And, uh, you know, 
I actually ended up having a really fun night, hung out with my dog, no service up there. And, you know, I haven't actually really talked to you about it all that much, but I had a sweet, I just had a great moment where everything was quiet and, you know, my life, like with work lately in particular, has been all over the place and I I have not spent enough time spiritually and I was able to just kind of slow down, you know, spend some time talking to God and just enjoying that. And basically, like, my mindset kind of was like, if tomorrow doesn't go well, I feel like I will have wasted the day. And But then I was like, but why? Like, I've already been blessed with such a great trip with some great friends. Like, no matter what happens tomorrow, like, it, it was such an awesome trip. And I just... I was real negative, headed up there, ended up being really positive by the time I went to bed. Slept really surprisingly well in the back uh, seat of my truck. I got like eight hours of sleep. Wow. <laughs> and like, I think I woke up like one time. <laughs> um, and got up, was able to take my time. When I was walking into the pond, a bunch of birds got off. And I was a little bummed about that because I thought it was more of a loaf than a roost. But it didn't end up mattering. The mud was pretty bad. Uh, definitely came up to about my knee in some areas. But it had a solid it had a solid bottom. So it's not like I just was constantly sinking. It just was kind of bad. Uh, pull the classic mat. I just went super simple spread. Just 12, 12 mallards. I did put out a mojo out there, but it just really didn't do much, so I turned it off. Um, right at, like, about 10, 10-ish minutes before shooting light, I just started getting covered in birds. I mean, but there was fog, so I couldn't tell what they were. They were landing on the pond, but, like, the fog was kind of hovering over the pond, and so I couldn't quite see them. I would get little glimpses of them, and then... Like two minutes before shooting light, a bird landed on the fog and was swimming towards my decoys. And I, on my life, I thought it was a pintail. Like it had super long neck, could see its chest, and I was like, that's got to be a pintail. And uh, right at shooting light, I just was like, well, I may not get another chance at a pintail on this trip. So I I crushed that thing. I was like, even if it ends up not being a pintail, I I don't want to take the risk. But what I didn't know was that as soon as I shot that, I would have probably 50 to 100 different pintails try and land in my decoys, a couple <laughs> which uh, ended up being really nice drakes. And I just I was like, you know, in Nebraska, and I actually don't know if there's a state in the United States that is more than one at the moment, but uh, we only have a one, it's a one bird limit. And I literally was like, I can't shoot any of these because I hadn't gone out to get it yet and I didn't know if it was a pintail or not. And I was like, I can't shoot any of these pintails that are literally like trying to hit my mojo. <laughs> and I'm like, I could have shot a limit of pintails in 10 minutes. Um, <clears throat> and finally walked out and got it during a little bit of a lull. Um, and it ended up being a pintail. So I made the right choice and it was a drake. And then... Again, no wind. No wind at all. I would have literally killed to have had a jerk rig again this weekend. 
Um, and that was the one thing I was supposed to bring. I messed that up. Um, but so it got really slow on me. Um, and then, uh, right around sunrise, I had what I thought was a widgeon, um, flying towards me. I struggle. I'm usually pretty good at identifying ducks, but widgeon and wood ducks, if they're flying belly down and I see their belly, they both have that super white belly and they're kind of hard for me to like, they're about the same size, you know, widgeon tail and wood duck tails kind of stick out a little bit more. So I struggle with them sometimes. I thought it was a widgeon, crushed the thing, walked up and ended up being a Drake wood duck, which is like the second one I've ever shot in my life. Real immature bird, unfortunately, but I literally walked up. I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> Drake wood duck. I shot a Drake pintail and Drake wood duck today. Wow. I, like I was like stoked at that point. Like everything yeah. was going good. I was taking it. I was happy at that point, having a good time. Um, and just kind of every once in a while, birds would pop through. I could have shot a few shovelers, but I was like, nah. Aww. Uh, <laughs> go boot lip. <laughs> uh, but um, ended up having a green wing that dropped into the decoys. I shot that. And then I was like, well, I'm at three birds, about eight o'clock. I'm doing pretty good. It seemed like, so I could, there's little potholes all the way around the place and I could hear mallards on them. And keep in mind in the state of Nebraska, we've got uh, a duck slam and already on the weekend I'd shot both teal, widgeon, and now pintail. And the last one is Drake Mallard. So I would like, you know, in hopes I've, I've, I've had it work for me in the past where if you hear mallards on the surrounding ponds around you and you just every once in a while like when they start doing quacks or you know like like a little bit of hail call hit them back with it and every once in a while they'll get up and come and investigate well every time i would do that i would just get more ducks that would come investigate um that's where the spoonies would come from eventually i had a three pack of teal that came back in or came in i ended up shooting two more of those and sitting at five ducks, I was like, this is an awesome day. And I told myself, like, I could have shot that third teal in that three-pack, but I was like, nope, I want one more big duck if I'm going to shoot another big duck. If I couldn't get it in the decoys, I was going to go try and jump one. Really wanted to try and shoot a mallard. Um, and about 15 minutes after I shot those uh, teal and got back from the mud, um, I a mallard... That had been north to south, no, south to north on me, um, really, really high. And I just gave him a couple quacks, a couple quacks. He disappeared for a little bit, and I don't know where he went to, where he disappeared to, but he ended up coming back north to south on me, which would have been right to left with the way I was set up, and uh, he was much, much lower. And, um, probably at about 70 yards kind of, but he was cupped. He was hovering. He was looking real, real hard. He went out. I gave him two quacks right before he hit the corner. And as he hit the corner, I gave him a wham, wham, wham. And he just, I mean, <laughs> flipped, locked, cupped right in, crushed him right over the decoys. I mean, and I, 
I saw that green head hit the water and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was so pumped. <laughs> uh, it was, it honestly made for a real memorable hunt. And yeah. I, I always, it, it does kind of suck. I always seem to get those hunts when nobody's with me or can't be with me. Yeah. That like everything goes right and the birds work well. I mean, I if I had had more wind, I probably could have had one of those shots where I shot like three or four mallards and a pintail and that wood duck. Yeah. But you know, I took what it was given to me. Yeah. And um, if I hadn't shot so many green wings, I probably could have sat there for a longer period and like probably shot a few more mallards. But yeah. I was I just was super excited. It was a great hunt. That all these hunts from this weekend will be up on the channel at some point. Yeah. But Yeah. That was good, buddy. It was I I I basically got back to the truck, loaded up, ate some food, played with Dakota for a little bit, and as soon as I got on the road, I basically was racing back to service. <laughs> So that I could send you and Jared pictures. <laughs> and literally, <laughs> I sent, so I sent you guys the pictures and I did just the like shrugging emoji. Yeah. <laughs> and Jared was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, I I probably would add or answered faster. I just had my phone on do not disturb oh, the last couple days. I don't care. <laughs> I just thought it was uh, it was I could send out as many vacation notifications as and I could sing it to the world but <laughs> I'd still have customers call me several times a day. Oh I feel yeah. I had a customer that texted me at 6.35 Monday morning but I didn't get it until almost noon because yeah. I was out of service, but I when I got service and saw the customers text, I was like, I wouldn't have even been awake if I had been back home. Yeah. So why? I finally answered one today. I answered one today. I haven't the last couple of days, but I had somebody call me three times, and it's a good customer that wouldn't do that unless he needed absolutely had an emergency, and I yeah I dealt with it quick and went on with my day, but. Yeah, it's hard to hard to create boundaries, but well, anything else to add? Don't go to the sand hills; it's not worth it. <laughs> I would say, like, that's the other thing too. Is like, you know, talking about yeah, you know, talking about the amount of ducks. That's you know one thing, but like, I would say like the diversity of what mm-hmm. all just like different types of wildlife we saw out there. Like, we saw porcupine. Uh, you saw grouse. We saw pheasants. We saw antelope. And the box turtles that you found. Mm-hmm. like Coyotes everywhere. Yeah. Like, just the amount of just... It's just... For how, like, barren the land seems, yeah. there sure is a lot. Wildlife of wildlife. Um, the only thing that we didn't see, uh, which shocked me, we didn't see any mule deer. Yeah, which I was like, how? But not super surprised by the amount of coyotes that we heard. But that I want to go out there and yeah. call coyotes. Like I, I would gladly do that. 
um, because there's a ton of them out there, actually. Yeah. So, to the point where there was, like, a few coyote calls around the campsite that I was, like... Monday morning, I had one pipe off about 80 yards from me. I was not excited about that. I was just like, I know it could defend herself, but it definitely is not something that I want to happen, especially yeah. like with Dakota, too. So, yeah, I was a little bit nervy there for a little bit, but yeah, I didn't think they'd come into camp, but at the same time, you never know. So, mangy mutts. <laughs> but, all right, buddy, we better get off here. Yeah. Appreciate everybody listening. Um, like you said, don't go to the Sand Hills. It <laughs> sucks. We'll definitely be there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm happy we made the trip. I'm happy that I got to experience that with you guys. And yeah, look forward to hopefully having a little bit more uh, uh, win next time. You're right. But, so, yeah. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening to this. And uh, catch you on the next one.